Welcome everybody to the loudest podcast, the loudest podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Asterios Kognos. With us as always is Sarancha. Hello, who else you got there, Asterios Kognos? And with us as sometimes is Lily the dog. Look at her. Look at her. Oh my God, I'm sticking her right in the camera. Oh my God. She immediately calmed down when I put her face in the camera. Oh my God. We because she doesn't know what's happening. She sees a dog. Oh my God, she sees the, herself? Yeah, because, uh, you know, I got OBS up here for the, you know, the $15 purchase. <laughs> she has, now she's like, who's that dog? Why is that dog so pretty? How can I fuck that other dog? I don't know. Her legs are starting to shake again. This dog, listeners, has anxiety. <laughs> so the dog <laughs> will frequently just sit and shake and vibrate in a way that I've never seen a dog do before. Now, this is why. I'm bringing the dog up, literally, in my hands in front of the camera. So my old brother is visiting my parents. I was supposed to visit my parents this weekend, but they were like, actually, instead of you visiting us, can you watch your brother's dog so your brother can visit us? <laughs> and I was like, what? So not only are you telling me that I'm not wanted, but also you're giving me chores. Yeah, your chore. That's your punishment for being a bad boy. <laughs> I guess it is my punishment for being a bad, for not being as, quote, based as my parents say. Based on what? Based on Push, the novel by Sapphire. Bruh. <laughs> so I got the dog. I'm watching the dog. Now I've told big, long stories on the show before about taking care of this dog. She's very nervous. She's very scared. Just baked in. The night that Russia invaded Ukraine, which was last night, <laughs> yes, a bunch of explosions went off in Brooklyn. Oh shit! Did they really? What time was this? I must have been. This asleep. was like at like midnight or something. So all of a sudden, I'm like, "Well, World War Three starting. I guess, I guess Brooklyn is the next target in a <laughs> Russia's war of aggression on NATO. Re Ukraine." Brooklyn. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, but no, it was just some asshole lighting off fireworks at the worst possible time. But this asshole had a lot of fucking fireworks. This asshole had like a 15 minute fireworks symphony. Usually, when an asshole lights off fireworks, it's just like a couple and they run away. They're like, oh, cheese it, the cops. Okay, I have a couple questions for you. Sure. Uh, first, why are you telling me this? Here's why I'm saying this. I had no idea what fireworks did to dogs until I'm watching Lily and there's fireworks going off. Now, sure, I've heard that dogs don't like fireworks. I've also heard that our <laughs> veterans don't like them either. They both get PTSD from the fireworks. I've heard it. You hear a lot of things. You hear like, don't eat too much saturated fat, but it doesn't mean like you experience it. This dog was shaking and panting and freaking out like I'd never seen another living thing freak out. It, it, it was like at all times she was surrounded by screaming ghosts. And like, I tried like, hold your tight to me. I tried like hiding with her under the blanket. I tried like going into the closet with her. Nothing would calm this dog down. And this dog is shaking and panting and like whining and crying so much that I just kind of at one point accept the fact that She's probably going to piss on me. <laughs> as you do, as when, as a cultured person does when they're scared. And I'm just like, you know what? Baked in, tonight, Asterios, you're getting pissed on. And you're just going to have to accept it, 
get a new t-shirt. I guess we're going to have to find a new duvet cover or whatever the hell. With the girl blankets. We're going to have to find a new girl blanket because... Well, he got nervous because the fireworks. Oh, why would? Okay, first of all, you don't need to throw out a shirt because the dog pissed on it. You just wash it. Counterpoint. Yes, you do. <laughs> re- wait, re- is this a debate you really want to have? I don't. Let's just I, move I on. I didn't think so. Uh, second of all, oh my God, that's awful. How old is this dog? Has she ever experienced fireworks before? I don't know. This dog is like, she's like one or two. I mean, this was it, This was a whole thing. I like the fireworks were clearly like right outside. It was ridiculous last night. Follow-up question, part two. What the fuck was that lady screaming outside at four in the goddamn morning? Oh. Do you remember that? Of course I do. She was screaming for somebody named Mexico, which was confusing because at four in the morning this morning a lady just starts screaming the word mexico over and over and it's like at our apartment (laughs) are you looking what are you what do you want like okay when she started screaming mexico 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 and pounding on the door mexico oh yeah what did you think was happening okay here's legit what i thought was happening so i wake up this woman listeners first of all let me tell you two things the two points that are important for the story because i know the first thing you're thinking is who the fuck cares if there's a crackhead screaming outside you live in new york who fucking cares like you must pass people screaming at nothing every single day but what you need to understand is that we are close to the bottom of our apartment building She was standing directly outside our apartment building, like our windows face where she was standing. And she was just screaming like a motherfucking banshee and banging on the front door of the building. It was so loud that it woke me up and it was so loud that Asterios thought the window was open because that's how, because there's no way that the sound could permeate glass. Yet she did. Here's what I literally thought was happening. I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, what is she saying? Mexico? Mexico? I'm like, oh, shit. Is she saying Medico? Like, is this a Hispanic woman who is like got hit by a car and screaming for a doctor? And I'm laying there. I'm like, Saransha, okay, you need to make a decision. Because I'm like in the realm of I'm not awake, but I'm also not asleep. And I'm like, what do you do? What do you do here? Like, do you get up? Do you bystander effect? But then I heard her talking in fucking English to somebody who I guess went down there and told her to shut the fuck up. And I was like, oh, well, fuck you, bitch. It's just a fucking another crackhead. Yeah, like the world's politest man went down there. Because we heard the whole conversation. He's like, hey, can I help you with something? Because I'm, I'm, here's what I'm saying to myself. I'm saying like, Asterius, if you go down there, you're probably going to like lose your temper. And you're probably going to start screaming. And now we both know your screams are louder than her screams. Like you're going to wake up even more of the neighborhood. And this is going to be somehow your fault if you get involved. Most highly charged situations are like dealing with CWC. Don't touch it. You become the poo. Right, exactly. So, but like a super polite guy is like, hey, can I help you? And she's like, yes. I'm looking for my friend Mexico. Now, again, this is like saying, like, I'm looking for my friend Germany. Like, hi, have you seen my friend Macedonia anywhere? I'm random guy on the street whose apartment building I'm yelling at. Uh, I'm screaming for a specific man that lives in this building with probably 100 apartments in it. Yeah, his name's Luxembourg. Uh, Any idea where he is? Then the guy's like, I do know who Mexico is. Holy fuck. And he goes, I think what you have to 
realize here is that Mexico probably doesn't want to talk to you. And she's like, no, I just dropped Mexico off at this building. And the guy's like, when you say just dropped off, what do you mean? And he, and she goes, a half hour ago. And he goes, well, consider that Mexico may have left in that half hour. Consider that maybe he's asleep. Or again, consider like maybe this guy doesn't want to talk to you at four in the morning because you're screaming and pounding on the doors. Like Maybe you've made him nervous. And she's like, well, thanks for your time. And he's like, good night. And then the guy walks away, a beat. A beat. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> Mexico! Mexico! <laughs> Donde style Mexico! Oh, my God. Yeah, no, that man, that was legitimately the most patient. Because I'm laying there, and I'm also thinking to myself, okay, well, first of all, you couldn't pay me to go down there. Like, I'll look out the window if I see someone in the middle of the road that seems like they have a broken leg or some shit. Like, I'll call the cops, but I ain't going fucking down there. I was like, all right, Sir your job is also to convince Asterios not to go down there. You knew! I knew immediately. But I don't know who this man was, but fucking key to the city to you, guy. I want this guy to... Uh, in, intermediate international conflict. I'm telling you, Russia might not have invaded Ukraine if this guy was around to just be like, hey, let's all chill for a second. Yeah, this dude is the crackhead whisperer, but part of me was interested in how long she would go. <laughs> she, I think I fell asleep before she stopped, because like, it's like your brain has to Find that right frequency to tune someone out. Like, it takes a while. You have to, like, record the pattern, repeat the pattern. But but what I realized about this guy and his, again, amazing negotiation skills is because he also sounded old. Yeah, he did. I think that's the only way you become old in New York City. Because if you're angry and pissed off, like, you're probably going to get shot at some point. Right. Yeah. Like you. <laughs> yes. Like me. Like, if you're jumping in front of cars, if you're constantly, like, telling people that they all... Okay. So, like, the other day, I'm crossing the street, and a tow truck almost just backs right up into me. I've got the walk, which means I've got the moral high ground. <laughs> oh, so, I Jesus. go up to the tow truck and I go, like, hey, just to let you know, you almost killed me back there. And the guy's like, what? And he's like real angry at me. And I go, I go, well, Steris, this is the situation that your fiance has constantly been warning you about. And I'm like, but I can't back down now. I go, I repeat, you almost killed me back there. You almost backed your tow truck into me. Be more careful next time. Quickly go to the post office. Super quickly go to the post oh office. Spend my. a lot of time in the post office. You are freaking lucky. You are lucky that you've not run into somebody with a gun yet. Oh, man. I think I did just then. I He's bet a tow you did. truck driver. I bet you freaking did. Yeah, no tow truck drivers. I bet that guy runs into a lot of people who are very unhappy that their car is being moved and maybe he needs some kind of protect protection. Anyways, uh, yeah, if there's ever, if I'm ever in a hostage situation, and I get one phone call. I want them to call the terrorists to call that guy. Like, fuck my family. <laughs> fuck you. Uh, call that guy and have him come down there and figure something out because he might have failed. But damn it, you put up a valiant effort. You put up the fucking best. Like, I could not have done that well if there was just some crazy bitch out there screaming at the building in hopes that I, what was she? Hoping, like, was she, she was hoping Mexico would come out. Obviously, but why? Because they were, they're in a relationship, they're in a romantic relationship, and they had some kind of fight. 
Well, yeah, I'd fight too if I was dating a fucking of the caliber of person that would come out to my house at 4.30 in the fucking morning and just scream at it. Are you telling me that if you were dating the Brooklyn Banshee herself, <laughs> like you wouldn't be happy? Okay, jumping back to just one thing you said before. If you were ever in a hostage situation, all right, I'd like to think that I would be your first call, not this guy. Like, I'll get you out of there. No. I'll tell you what. Let's just, let's improvise. Let's role play right now. Okay, you be the hostage taker and I'll be the negotiator, okay? Okay, hi, I have your fiance and I need a billion dollars or else I'm gonna shoot her in the head. I have your fiance. Fuck you. What? That's right. I want $2 billion. Is this that guy I almost hit with my tow truck last week? <laughs> quickly go to post office. Quickly hide it. Uh, you know how long you could, it turns out, you know how long you can check your P.O. box for a long time? What if there's some new mail in there? We don't know because they put it in from the other side. So you Be wouldn't see it. Better keep staring in that little door hoping to see a hand holding a returned Patreon sticker. Oh, Speaking of Patreon, all right, look, mea culpa, we got to talk about this. Yeah, we fucked up. I'm sorry. We're a little bit late on Congratulations, an Evangelion Watch Long podcast. We fucked up. We took on too many responsibilities. It's our, our fault. <laughs> we thought we could handle that seventh show. It's kind of difficult to do a watch along podcast every month. Like, the cadence of a watch-along podcast should be every week. Can we agree on that? I mean, yeah, it should be, but we can't produce two shows every week. <laughs> no, I know we can't. So here's what I'm going to suggest we do. We take a vacation to Joshua Tree. <gasps> you can smoke that. We've talked about it on the show before. Oh, my God. But your God. memory is so terrible that you've probably forgotten that I pitched you this idea live on the podcast. We go to Joshua Tree. You buy a bunch of weed. We watch all of Evangelion in a weekend. We just record and record and record them. And then we just hand off all that audio to somebody like Jinjo or Zwick, edit them all. And then when it's done, we do release it weekly. Oh, fuck yeah. That would be such a good idea. I want to go back to Joshua Tree. I want to stay at the exact same Airbnb we stayed. This is what I'm thinking. Like, we find the cheapest time to do it. We go, we watch, you smoke, I overeat, I eat way too much ice cream, we record, and then, like, you know, so maybe it'll be like a springtime treat or a summer treat, but, like, eventually, like, it's just there's 32 weeks in a row of this show. Yeah, okay, that's a much better format. Yeah, I think so, too, because I'm thinking, like, it's like the watch-along show that, like, popularized the watch-along shows was, like, West Wing Weekly, which was, like, a bunch of West Wing cast members started watching the West Wing. And then, like, the office ladies started doing it. And now, like, the entourage guys are doing it. And it's just like, well, it's not monthly. It's weekly. You expect this thing weekly. Just like my hit One Piece Minute. <laughs> We've done two of those. Yeah, exactly. Two minutes. And that was quite enough for me. I watched the second episode of One Piece the other night. It was incredible. I wanted to watch the third one, but you were like turning off Asterios. I'm tired of hearing One Piece in the background. Yeah, you know what I absolutely love, Asterios, is when you sit down and you're like, oh, I'm going to watch something. And you're clearly not watching it because you're playing your video game. But you put on not something you could listen to, like Kitchen Nightmares or something in the background. You put on something in Japanese. And I'm like, what is this doing for you? Is this, are you entering, you cannot possibly be entertained by this while you are not actively reading <laughs> While you're watching cartoons. I get the gist of it. There's a guy, he's made of rubber, he's fighting. You know, like, in a, in a fucking anime, you can tell, like, 
the good guy sounds like this, and the bad guy sounds like this. It's like, I get it. I know what's happening. Just watch literally any, just watch Star Wars or something. Well, I was just, I was really excited. Like, you know, I was in episode, I was episode two of One Piece. So like, I'm probably like almost all the way through the first season. But I guess it's one of those shows like Fooly Cooly where like they do six and then they wait 10 years and like maybe do another six. Uh-huh. There's only something like 12 episodes, I think. So oh. really great for a weekend if you oh, want to watch some anime. Just binge it real quick. Yeah. Oh, it's binge worthy. It's binge worthy. Okay. Well, listen, speaking of binge worthy, we got some binge worthy content for this show today. Now, here's the big news I finally did get a job. Woo! You know how for months it's been like, oh, is this guy going to get a job? Oh, this guy wants a job. Oh, he's applying for jobs. I got, I got the job. It's a fucking good one, too. For the first time since mm, the troubles, it's like a job with like, health insurance and like uh, things where like oh they're doing this thing where they're like oh we'll buy you a monitor because we know you're working from home and it's like i want a monitor are you kidding me oh that's lit yeah and like they'll like like, on my first day they like sent me a bunch of snacks so i could like be eating snacks while i was like in all these like getting to know you meetings oh are they trying to kill (laughs) kill you right before it's one of these jobs where it's just like they want to be nice to me it's weird. I'm not used to it. I'm suspicious and scared of it, in fact. Oh, yeah. No, I'm always suspicious and scared when people are too nice to me. Because yeah. I feel like some, it's a precursor to something terrible happening. Yeah. I got sent like a big basket of cookies. And then the next day, I got sent like a big gift basket of coffee. And it's like, have coffee with your coworkers. It's like, what? You're not firing me for no good reason because of inflation or something? Oh, I'm sure that that comes next month. <laughs> yeah, well, look, at least I'll get some goddamn unemployment then. Fuck but it's yeah. like, but here's how I got this job. Because a listener of ours is a professional recruiter. He professionally hires people for a living. So this guy gives like 30 job interviews a day. And he gave me like all these tips and tricks and secrets. He's like, don't say this, say this, don't do this, do this. And... So I'm like, you know what? I got this amazing job thanks to this guy. I bet we could probably get our listeners an amazing job too. So we got him coming on the show later today. He's going to give his job finding tips and tricks and secrets. He's going to tell you what to say, what not to say. Next thing you know, we're all loaded, baby. The Loudest Podcast. Woo, Yacht Club. You need to have an official Loudest Podcast NFT to get in. I have turned around on the metaverse. Oh, really? You like the metaverse now? I like the metaverse now. I've done a total. I Look, I've not done 180 on NFTs because I've still not seen one that is not ugly as shit. I saw one of my friends this weekend said uh, she's never seen an NFT that didn't look like it should. That did not look like it should be a sticker on a bong. And yes. I was like, oh, my God, that's that's fine. I finally found a way to describe this art style. The Like the NFT art style is sticker that you get for 50 cents at the supermarket. And you put on your bong. Yeah, and you put on your bong. Like, <laughs> NFT is still bad, but for all the complaining and whining I did about the metaverse, and like, we were in the metaverse making fun of the metaverse on the metaverse. And then as soon as I left, I was like, 
I kind of want to do another show in the metaverse with the Thaw Cops. Like, it was so cute having, like, our little block men there on that little stage. It just, somehow, it felt more intimate and special than, like, ah, we're all on a Discord channel or, ah, we're all on a YouTube. It's like, our little block boys. Yeah, no, I did, like, we gotta we gotta get me and you an avatar. Maybe I could log on from my phone or something, but I want people to be able to stack themselves on top of me and on top of you. Yeah, me too. All right, so we gotta go back to the metaverse. I hate it. If you're talking about the metaverse, I want to kill you. But I also like the metaverse. You know what? It, this must be what it's like to like Rick and Morty in season five. It's like, I know, I know, but it's pretty good still. Is it still good? I have not watched that since The Womaning, which is what I'm calling when they added women to the staff and then everybody hated it all of a sudden. <laughs> I watched one episode of it. There was the one where like we, we meet like Rick's undersea nemesis, and I was like, "This is still really funny. This is still a very good show." Okay, yeah, no, I I still really like that show, or I liked the first three seasons. <laughs> Look, speaking of good shows that you like, you're on some sort of you're watching some sort of like live strip club show. Oh, oh yeah, this is great. This is very funny. Okay, so I'm gonna explain. So a while back, this is interesting. So let me preface this story. A while back, we were having a conversation how when you were in your like, I'm gonna say prime of media consumption, like probably early 20s, like it was shameful to be on a reality television show. True or false? Oh my goodness, wait. I've never even considered this, but yes, it would be embarrassing. It, it was seen. It was like a trailer trashy kind of thing to be on a reality show. But your generation sees that like as a path to career advancement. Oh, absolutely! Like, and if you don't, everybody, it's like a ninety day fiance to. I'm not just talking about the ninety day fiance to OnlyFans pipeline. I'm talking about if you appear on a reality television show, you will gain like a massive Instagram following. So a lot of people, I believe go on shows like fucking love is blind married at first sight that shit because they want to like get their instagram career off the ground which begs the question why did people back then go on reality shows i don't know what i do know is i spent this weekend with my friends getting high as fuck and watching uh i watched all of the first two seasons of flavor of love do you know what that is is that flavor flaves old dating show you're damn right it is wait she watched this show from like 1994 <laughs> yes no i was sitting there and they were like debating what to watch and uh see somebody said something we could watch i love new york and i was like what's i love new york she's like oh new york from uh flavor of love I was like i've never seen flavor of love they're like oh my god other friend get in here sriracha's so never seen flavor of love we have to watch all of it so we sat down and we watched the first two seasons because apparently the third season is not good there's twins and it's not good. How is that? I don't know how that works. Then, after we got finished watching Flavor of Love, we then watched this show that was made in the most recent, very recently, like I'd say the past couple, two years is even pushing it very recently, called Jocelyn's Cabaret. Are you familiar at all with Jocelyn's Cabaret? No, you kept telling me. I assumed it was an anime from how you were talking about it. You you, you kept saying like, oh my God, we're so crazy for Jocelyn's Cabaret. We're loving Jocelyn. Because there was some other anime you watched called like End of the World Harem. Oh yeah, that's great. That End of the World Harem is an anime about a guy with bone cancer or something has to get cryogenically frozen. 
And before they freeze him, because like, okay, we don't have a cure for your bone cancer. We're going to hope whenever you wake up, we have the bone cancer. We have the bone fixing juice. <laughs> so his crush girlfriend, I don't remember, is like saying goodbye to him in the pods. She's like, I'll wake up when you, uh, I'll wait, be waiting for you when you wake up. So he wakes up and he finds out that there is a disease that has engulfed the world called the MK virus, which stands for male killer. And it has killed every man on earth except for a handful of them that have this bone <laughs> disease. So they're like, we need you to fuck everybody and repopulate the human species and for some cucked reason, he like has to lose his virginity to his childhood friend who has gone missing. <laughs> so that's the plot of the show. I'm sitting here. I know what you're thinking, listener. What about the sperm banks? Why in these types of TV shows does everybody forget about the sperm banks? They specifically address that like it has to be natural insemination or the baby will die or something. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> 10 out of 10 go watch it on crunchyroll has it i think for some fucking reason okay look that is not the first thing i was saying <laughs> the first thing i was thinking was like is this the first post coronavirus anime you know what i mean i mean oh, that's the, that's the gag right it's the coronavirus no it's a fucking jerk off porn yeah but it's come on it's clearly informed by it's like oh there's a big virus it killed a lot of people. We're all suffering because of this virus. Like, I think the reason this show was greenlit is because people were like, oh, it's like the coronavirus, but with fucking in it. I don't think that's a new trope. Like, I don't think they sat down and were like, we're inspired by the coronavirus. This is the fuck virus. Okay. Look, I also agree. Because there's a comic book called Why the Last Man that has the exact same plot, like where all the men die and like the, the, the whole world is just women, but like everyone is still dicks to each other and they're still constantly fucking fighting and killing each other and the point of the comic is maybe men weren't that bad maybe, <laughs> maybe people are just assholes based yeah but not nearly as much so why can't this guy so does this guy wait how many years have passed since he got frozen like why isn't his girlfriend dead don't remember really don't remember anything about it except for that exposition because i watched one episode and then what's it called when you black out because you smoke too much i think it's called a blackout <laughs> yeah. i think you got the word yeah, no, I don't remember anything of the plot besides that. Watching the first episode, I laughed so hard I almost pissed myself, though. Jesus Christ. All right. See, because you kept saying, like, I'm watching End of the World Harem and Jocelyn's Cabaret. So, again, I assume Jocelyn's Cabaret was an anime. It's not? No. Jocelyn's Cabaret is a reality show that is ostensibly... Okay, it's a bunch of strippers. <laughs> Living in a house together, as classic reality show format. Living in a house together ostensibly to compete in a cabaret, to earn a place in a cabaret show that may or may not ever take place. So Jocelyn Hernandez, a.k.a. The, the Puerto Rican princess, as she calls herself, was on Love and Hip Hop and eventually got... What is Love and Hip Hop? Love and Hip Hop is a reality show. That's where Cardi B came from. I didn't know that. It was like, that was what kind of launched her career. What? Really? Yeah, it's about like up and coming. Uh, it's a reality show. It's like the there's drama. It's like Real Housewives, but they're up and coming rappers and shit. I had no fucking idea this existed. Okay. I, 
I did. I didn't know Cardi B was real. Okay, great. All right, keep going. And then they like fight each other over their husbands and shit. It's funny. <laughs> but uh, Jocelyn Hernandez, a sidebar. I wonder how pissed these people that were also at Love and Hip Hop are now that Cardi B gets to be like actually famous. <laughs> <laughs> of them have been delegated to the fucking Zeus network. <laughs> what? Is the Zeus? What the hell is the Zeus network? I've never heard of it in my entire life uh, until I went to my friend's house and I asked the exact same question. I was like, what is this on Discovery Plus? Jocelyn's Cabaret? And she's like, no, it's on the Zeus network. I was like, what the fuck is the Zeus network? And my friend described it as this is a direct quote, ghetto TLC. <laughs> so I don't know what that means. Like, I, I don't know what that means. I'm just going to tell you the Zeus Network sounds like something Big Boss would fight in a Metal Gear Solid game. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh no, the Zeus Network has spread the MK virus. We all got to start fucking fast. Well, uh, Jocelyn's Cabaret, if you so feel inclined to watch this, is on the Zeus Network. It's such a bizarre show because I compare it to Flavor of Love because Flavor of Love also launched a big uh, career of this woman. Her name is Tiffany... Hattered or Pollard, I don't remember her name, but her nickname in the show is New York. Okay. So she had got all this fucking exposure for that. And so I was thinking, like, now if you go on Jocelyn's Cabaret to fight a bunch of bitches, you're going to get a ton of Instagram followers. Why the fuck would you ever go on <laughs> Flavor of Love? But Flavor of Love is like 10 or 15 years old, right? It's not like Flavor of Love is currently an option. Yeah, that's why I'm saying, like, why? Oh, There's no why incentive. did people go on Flavor of Love? Yes. Okay, you know what? When I was young, like in my like 20s, like an executive was like, I want to make a reality show around you, Asterios. And I was like, and that's why I shouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, uh, and this was a person, she worked for the same reality show company that produced that Jesse Ventura conspiracy show, Conspiracy Hunters. So, like, she brought me over to, like, the Jesse Ventura office, and she's like, yeah, we'll do a show about you. Like, you're an up-and-coming comedian in L.A., and I'm just like, I'm insane, right? Like, that's the gimmick here, like... I'm an insane person. You want to put me on TV so I can be made a fool of? I may be crazy, but I'm not crazy enough to be on reality television because when I was a kid, it was the idea was that it was like the sideshow. It was like the circus sideshow. The only reason you went on a reality TV show was because you were stupid enough to go on a reality TV show. You know what I mean? I do. It was like this self-fulfilling prophecy where like only the most maniacal of like self-promoting crazy people would want to do it. Um, and because they wanted to be on a reality show, it made for great reality television because they would do literally anything in front of a camera. Like Big Ed, he's kind of like a man out of time. Like Big Ed is more from like my generation's reality star where it's like, oh, you're a freak. I guess your generation's reality star are like, up-and-coming millennial strivers looking to move up in the fucking business world? I mean, I can't think of a reason why you would go on a reality TV show besides uh, to launch your Instagram career or to launch your OnlyFans career. But I digress. Uh, Jocelyn's Cabaret is... <laughs> she says it exactly like that, too. Uh, welcome to Jocelyn's Cabaret. <laughs> are you here for Jocelyn's Cabaret or are you here to fight bitch? <laughs> So Jocelyn's Cabaret is a show where a bunch of strippers live in a house together and 
the plot is that they're supposedly getting ready for a cabaret show and someone will win $10,000, but there is no like elimination process. Like, you know, when you have a reality TV show, usually there's a point in the show where they gather them all up. Like in Hell's Kitchen, they gather up the losing team and then Chef Ramsay picks one of them and is like, you got to get out of here until eventually you, they dwindle and dwindle until you only have one winner left. There is nothing like that on Jocelyn's Cabaret. It seems like the only elimination criteria is that Jocelyn will scream at you. And then you scream, I'm done, and then storm out of the house. So far, two people have been eliminated in this manner. One of which, who's my absolute favorite in the entire show, first bitch to go home, and I'm so sad about it, was uh, she called herself Blue-Faced Barbie, I think. And uh, she kept talking to Jocelyn. She'd be like, Jocelyn, I don't want to dance. You know me. I don't dance. I'm a hoe. But let me tell you, nobody can hoe themselves. Nobody can uh, trick better than me, Jocelyn. You know that. I'm like, first of all, my first question is, do you know you're on a dance competition? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what are you doing here? Second of all, that is essentially like saying it sounds good when you say it fast, but then it, it, if you think about it, it says, Jocelyn, you know nobody here can prostitute themselves better than I can. Then why do you want to work at Jocelyn's Cabaret? What, wait, is Jocelyn's Cabaret like some sort of elaborate sex show where like you go and watch people have sex on stage? Like, what is Jocelyn's Cabaret? I don't. No. But the show is called Jocelyn's Cabaret. So clearly at some point, it's like, welcome to Jocelyn's Cabaret. The hottest dancers in Atlanta all started here. And now we're looking for Atlanta's next girl to, to be part of Jocelyn's Cabaret. No, it just kind of opens with a bunch of move the house. Like, I want to come to Jocelyn's Cabaret because I know I can dance better than all these bitches. And um, they do fight frequently, which is my favorite part of uh, any reality show. They fight. And uh, (laughs) at one point, Jocelyn says, I need to know, are you bitches here for Jocelyn's Cabaret or are you here to fight other people? I'm like, Jocelyn, it's been four episodes and I've not seen you show anyone a dance move. I think you might be here (laughs) to watch bitches fight instead of to beat your commitment to Jocelyn's Cabaret. And I'm thinking about it and I'm like, okay. Maybe I'm putting, maybe I'm locking my awkward rules onto this reality show in a way that does not fit. Maybe, Jocelyn, there's not going to be one winner of the cabaret show. Maybe multiple people will come together, like whoever survives 10 episodes gets to put on the cabaret show of their life. But then I started thinking to myself, who wins the $10,000? The $10,000 really throws a fucking monkey wrench in there because... You can't, I mean, you can split $10,000, but if you split $10,000 between multiple people, you don't win $10,000. Right. You don't win up to $10,000. You win $10,000 and you perform in Jocelyn's Cabaret. So if anybody fucking knows, if there is an elimination process for Jocelyn's Cabaret, please call in and tell me because I don't think there is one. Now you've watched, how much time do they spend in Jocelyn's Cabaret? I don't think there is. A, I don't think there's a Jocelyn. What do you cabaret? mean? There's no Jocelyn Cabaret. The show is called Jocelyn's Cabaret. I mean, jo- the mansion has a stripper pole in it where they spend a lot of time, I guess, learning cabaret. <laughs> is Jocelyn's Cabaret like someone's mind palace? Like, is Jocelyn's Cabaret like 
Brigadoon or something? Is it like a, the mythical land of like Gunga Din? Maybe the Jocelyn's, the real Jocelyn's cabaret. Maybe the real cabaret was the friends we made along the But way. they're not making friends. They're constantly fighting to the point where Jocelyn is questioning their commitment to Jocelyn's cabaret. Yeah, no, and they specifically say they're not here to make friends. They're here for Jocelyn's cabaret. Well, where's the cabaret? <laughs> Oh no! Apparently, I even asked my friends. I was like, "Is there like an elimination process?" And the other one looks at me and she's like, "You know, there used to be another season of this." I was like, "There was this first season of Jocelyn's Cabaret." She says, "Yeah, I don't know if the cabaret ever took place." Yeah. Okay. Look, look, I think you're getting a little too hung up on the elimination process. But in a reality show where a bunch of strippers compete for the right to, I guess. Headline at a cool strip show. Every episode should end with like a stripping performance. And it's like, oh, wow, this girl's cool. Maybe she'll win the <laughs> Jocelyn's Cabaret. And then the next time it's like, oh, this girl, this girl did something crazy. Do you at least get to watch cool, elaborate strip dances? There are exactly two times when the cabaret dancers dance in the four episodes that I watched. The first one was Jocelyn playing this terrible fucking song that she wrote over and over and over again. He's like, you know what, ladies, just freestyle on the pole. I want to see what you got. And so, first of all, not cabaret dancing what they were doing. Not what I would call cabaret. I've even never even seen cabaret dancing, but I'm pretty sure rubbing your genitals all over Jocelyn Hernandez is not part of like the playbook that you get when you decide to be a cabaret dancer. Um, this is the point where Blueface Barbie is like, I'm not going to dance. You know me. I don't dance. She promptly gets her ass beat <laughs> and gets kicked out of the house. You say she gets her ass beat. Tell me a little bit about what happens. Uh, she tries. She starts it. I don't remember how she starts it. I think she threw a shoe. No, she didn't throw a shoe. She took her shoes off, uh-huh. her heels uh, off, which uh-huh. is shorthand for i'm going to fight someone i didn't know that (laughs) yeah it's a shorthand when you're wearing like super high heels you take your shoes off it's like kind of like how you take your ring off you don't take your rings off anymore you take your shoes off because you don't want to fall and break your ankle when you're beating a bitch's ass uh blueface barbie got her ass beat accumulative i think three times in the four episodes she was on this show What the fuck is happening over at the Zeus Network? I don't know, but I'm so curious what other programming they have. Can we buy the Zeus? Of course we can buy the Zeus. It's just so weird. It's like, what the fuck does Zeus have to do with this? What does Zeus have to do with that? Isn't that the guy where like a fucking, an egg popped out of his head because he fucked a lady? Zeus, he's that Greek god that like was always fucking around on his wives. Yeah, that's what, I mean, I have no idea what fucking you're talking about, but I I guess it's just all incredibly sexual programming. Because wasn't oh, this thing that he okay. fucked like everybody? <laughs> okay, so like, so there's not like an interstitial, there's not a guy who's like, I'm Zeus, and you're watching the Zeus Network. Lightning, lightning. I mean, full disclosure, the only show that I've seen on the Zeus Network is Jocelyn's Cabaret, but uh, I assume not, because I, I didn't see any. Zeus. I did see a bunch of strippers' tits, though. I'm sorry? Oh, yeah, you see full titty. What the fuck are you watching? This is on television. <laughs> I mean, no, You're it's on stream. Nudity. It's on stream. You don't see nudity. You see tits. But, like, That's the- nudity. If I was eight years old, I would be like, the Zeus Network is my new favorite network. Yeah, no, at one point when Blueface Barbie's getting her ass beat, I think the first time, I think that's the first night they're in the house, she gets her ass beat, and she's wearing this, like, halter dress Uh that 
pushes in while she's fighting and you could see like her tits flopping around outside of it. I was like, okay, I guess you didn't decide to wear a bra, which you probably should if you're going to show up and immediately start fighting other strippers. So is this what girls do? Like boys, like we'll get together and I don't know, we'll play video games or like we'll play like elaborate nerd board games or we'll watch sports. You guys just like hang out all weekend and watch reality shows like Jocelyn's Cabaret and Flavor of Love and I Love New York and Rock of Ages and shit. Yeah. Uh huh. Is it fun? Oh, it's great. It is. Oh my God. Yes. Watching trashy reality TV shows with your best buds, eating a pizza and smoking pot. It's great. That's what I live for, man. That's what I'm all about. Yeah, baby. (laughs) I may never understand women. (laughs) I, I get the anime thing. It's cartoons. Cartoons are great. Well, you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, we'll be right back after this with something that is not a bunch of strippers <laughs> fighting. It is some really good advice <laughs> from a professional hiring man who can hopefully get you a job so that you don't have to dance in Jocelyn's Cabaret, a place where you apparently can't dance because you're just dancing in some lady's house. Yeah, you can't dance because uh, there is no cabaret, and you, or you can't dance because you ho. <laughs> you don't dance. We'll be right <laughs> back after this with more of the Loudest Podcast. <laughs> Welcome back to the Loudest Podcast. As listeners know, I have been on the job search for quite a while. Well, we're on the phone with someone. He is a professional recruiter. He's also a longtime listener to the show. Like he uh, DM me on Twitter and he's like, hey, I'll give you some job advice. And of course, my first thought was like, well, if you listen to the show, you probably don't have very good advice. Yeah, you should probably take no advice from that. You're probably like a 14-year-old uh, boy. But um, but then I was like, all right, I'll talk to him. And I was like, oh, he sounds, he's so professional. Wait, he's here with, why are we talking about it like he's dead? Uh, you there, sir? Uh, I sure am. Oh, okay, well, now I, we don't want to dox you. Uh, what do you go by? What, what's, what's your online handle there? Uh, is, is Weezer fan 420 taken? Weezer fan, both Weezer fan and Boof 420 are already taken, unfortunately. Uh, the two, the two most common <laughs> usernames requested. Fair, fair enough. I, I, I know what, uh, it's, uh, it's a fairly, fairly common name. My, my parents did not bless me with, uh, something original. Uh, why don't you just call me Clark? Name? Clark. All right, Clark. Now, Clark, what do you do for a living? What's like your job job? I, I hire people for a living. So I look at thousands upon thousands of resumes a year. Uh, I actually manage a team of people that recruit, and I work in-house for a, a company. So the company is large enough that we don't go to external recruiters. We do all of our hiring internally, and we've got a specific uh, hiring department already uh, there. All right. God damn. All right. Wow. Excellent. Now, we have a lot of listeners to the show who are young, they're in college, they're going to be out of college soon, they're going to be looking for that first job, so let's talk resume. Should you put your headshot on your resume if you're ugly? You, you know, um, the, the headshot, the picture on the resume, whether or not you're ugly is actually less uh, relevant than whether, whether or not you're good at graphic design, because I've seen lots of photos on resumes, and... Regardless about how the person looks, it almost always looks like garbage, um, <laughs> unless someone has like got a professional recruiter to, to make their, their resume for them. Um, I will say, um, if, if you are on the hiring end, try not to um, hold someone back 
for having a, a picture on their resume. There are certain cultures and countries where a picture is uh, not only encouraged, it's mandatory. And so you get a lot of people who are not good at resumes, who are, who are also not good at taking photos, who are also not putting those two things together, submitting their resume in a culture they're not familiar with. So it is fairly common, and I've actually kind of got learned to ignore it a little bit uh, myself, just because uh, it is a bit of a tr distraction. Now here's something I've always been told about resumes. It should be, A, you want to have objectives, and B, it should be almost all objectives, like objective one, to get a job with you, like objective two, like to be the best me I could be. Like, so, I don't know, like 10 objectives? How many objectives? So, the objective advice comes from a time when boomers would literally drop off resumes at companies and walk away, like our parents, well, maybe you and my parents would tell us. Um, objectives are stupid, and I don't want to see them. <laughs> Okay, what if my objective is to kill all objectives? <laughs> Should I put that on there? If, if you're applying for a role uh, where you are murdering concepts, like maybe a concept assassin, that might be appropriate. But if you're looking for a role as a copywriter, um, probably not, considering objectives are probably what get fed to you as some sort of advertiser to, like, film me this objective. So Okay. Um, essentially, your the resume needs is designed or should be designed to be persuasive first and inf uh, informative second. And so when you're putting an objective on there, like to gain a position at your company, that doesn't tell me anything about you. Uh, well, actually, it does tell me. It tells me you don't know how to write a resume, and you're doing something because you were told to do it, and you don't like it, and I don't like it, and it just makes me resent you even more. Okay, but what so, if my objective is something really, really cool that does make me stand out and tells you everything about my personality? Like, I am a—I was in the—my objective is to return to the Olympics as the, on the skeet shooting team, but to fire into the crowd this time. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like an automatic hire, right? All I care about when I'm looking at resumes is, will you fit into this role? And if skeet shooting is not one of the requirements for the role, I don't want to see it. I don't care. And most of the time, people end up writing objectives for completely different companies for getting to update their resume and then sending out to all the companies. Oh, so like you'll be like, my objective, to crush those fools at AT&T. <laughs> and you think you're sending it to Verizon or something. And then you send yeah. it to AT&T, and then all of a sudden Melania Weintraub is like, oh, I don't like this. My objective is to suck my own dick. <laughs> Put it on top, but I put it in wingdings, so only the most cultured at your office can read it. How many wingdings do you see on these red? Let's talk emojis. Wait a minute. Do people put emojis on resumes? I don't see emojis. I have had one person. Um, one person actually sent me a resume that was really nicely put together. Mm. Really beautiful formatting. And right in the middle is a giant watermark saying, to unlock this resume, pay $20. Oh, that's um, economical, so though. That tells you that person's great with money. Because those motherfuckers, that's what those resume things do. Mm -hmm. They wait for you to input all of your information. Mm -hmm. And then they tell you if you want it, you have to pay for it. Mm -hmm. So it's like they're hoping, they're preying on the fact that you're just so fucking tired of doing this bullshit that you'll just give them $15, their dumb subscription. I would hire that person immediately. Because honestly, fuck those things. Yeah, I mean, so what's well, that person been there for like five, ten years? It, 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 it does get better. So not only was that resume, <laughs> not only was the resume with the watermark, um, their 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 uh, re um, cover letter said, 
I don't think there's anything I can really say about a cover letter that makes me stand out, but here's a picture of a cat my daughter drew, and I hope you want to, you'll want you contact me. And it was, you know, a six-year-old's drawing of a cat or something like that. And it was like a really short cover letter. It didn't look great. And, of course, this, this person was applying for a fucking marketing position. Are you um, telling me the and- picture of the cat didn't look great? Because that's a little harsh, because if the girl's six. She's six years old, Clark. But it was, again, a marketing position, and marketing people can be a little funny. So I, I told the candidate, can, can you give me a new re- resume? I'm not sending this to the manager. And the manager might find your, your uh, cover letter cute. And, of course, yes, he's been there for, like, four years now. Good for that guy. So you're saying yeah. do whatever it takes to stand out. Example, paperclip a $50 bill? Oh, I only receive resumes electronically, but... Uh, oh. but, but- what about I, I have to put some worst. Bitcoin in this thing? I can't. I don't know how that works. Okay, let me I'll ask take you, Ethereum. Let me ask you a question. Why the fuck does it ask you to upload your resume and then ask you to input all the information on your resume Why into does the it thing? Do that? I am so, so glad that you asked that question because this does actually make sense. No, it first doesn't. Of all, first of all, AI does not make, that doesn't work very well. So the mm-hmm. parsers aren't great. Mm-hmm. So the reason it parses your resume is so it can be read by a, an applicant tracking system. So if we if we for whatever reason don't look at you and we but we want to find out someone who's particularly loud or wants to kill people in the skeet shoot competition, we can just put that into our our uh, our backend tracking system and look up anyone that has those keywords in there. So we can't ask you to copy and paste your whole resume. That that would be bedlam in the, in the whole applicant tracking system. So that's one easy way to do it. But the resume still gives us really important information of how you organize your thoughts, how you organize your work history, uh, but also like how professional you are in terms of how you write things up and how easy it is to read. So the, the resume is, a, is, is something that sort of expresses who you are as a professional. And all of that extra, all those extra pieces are just like the bare facts, which are not always the most important things when we're looking at a resume. So, um, we don't get, you know, for example, your, your your summary of qualifications. We wouldn't necessarily see all the achievements on the um, the thing that parses your resume, um, but we would see sort of the top line, the company you worked for, and potentially the the job if the the parser actually got it correct. So that's why. So we can find you later, but the resume is still an important part of how we determine whether or not you're, um, you know, whether or not you have the skills for this role. If we want to talk to you. Well, if the parser sucks so much shit, why are you using? It? Yeah, what the hell? Again, because so we can potentially find you later. It sucks shit, uh, but that but the main goal isn't isn't for assessing you right now. It's for potentially finding you later. Look, Clark, just be straight with us. If the parser was good, we wouldn't need you, right? Like. It's people like you. It's like, oh no, this parser sucks. Oh, this, oh, this. It's, you can't rely on it. You need me. You need Clark. Not necessarily, because hiring managers are really good at their jobs, and they're very bad at hiring, and they're not good at looking at resumes. And so, there's a lot of talk about using AI uh, to rank resumes and to to, to help create shortlists. And you know, we we use one at, at my company, and it only kind of works and it requires a lot of intervention by humans so it's still in the, in the learning phase uh, moreover it's garbage in garbage out if the if the manager says i only want to look at people that work for the microsoft's or the google's or the loudest podcast it'll only put that information together but a lot of what i do 
is finding other talents, finding other people with related skills that work in a role or at companies that we don't necessarily think about. So if we're having an applicant from overseas, there might be companies that we're not even familiar with at all that do really good work in what we do where I live. Okay. So what if I did this? I write up my resume, but then what if in like in white text on the white background of the resume, I just stuffed it with keywords like Microsoft, copywriting, software, coding, C++, marketing, social media, Twitter. Like, should I try to trick the robot that clearly kind of does your job for you? Is that what you're telling me, Clark? I've yet to meet this robot. Again, it kind of just parses the resume at the top level and kind of, it tries to, you know, see if it's, Look if it looks right. I don't know how it works. I just know it doesn't work very well. So whoever's thinking that AI is doing all of the determination of what what resumes work, um, I I don't know that software. I don't know any companies using it. Uh, and for the most part, finding people that are good at what they do or is so difficult. That's why we have recruiters so we can find people like you, Asterios, and you, Sarancha. Uh, so we can. Of course. Um, we, we searched out on LinkedIn. Uh, Asterios, I think you and I were ch- chatting. You you had a lot of talks with people on LinkedIn. I'll tell you, those people are not bots. They may be stupid as shit, but they are <laughs> definitely not bots. Okay, would you rather, here's a question for you. Would you rather put toothpicks under each one of your toenails and kick a wall, or would you rather spend more uh, hours a day on LinkedIn? <laughs> I don't mind being on LinkedIn. It's kind of like a fun little Easter egg hunt. Oh, fuck like, you. No, it is not. It is, that is the worst social media platform. It is, oh, I would rather it is, throw myself off a building <laughs> than make a LinkedIn. I would rather burn my house to the ground than like create content for LinkedIn. Yeah, me, that's what I'm talking about. Let me be clear about. on that. Oh, sorry. I think I meant like finding people on LinkedIn. Like, no, like there's another side of LinkedIn that costs a ton of money that most recruiters use when they're at big companies and it's just to find people. So rather than like, you know, when you click on somebody in LinkedIn and it alerts them that, oh, they've looked at you. Well, LinkedIn recruiter doesn't do that. So you can look at people and not like look like a creep, look at the resume and determine whether or not you want to contact them. And that's a lot of my job. And I've, I love that fucking part of it. Okay. But when people are like, oh, I'm celebrating my like sixth year at like Janie's Juices and today we're and we're like reframing the juice paradigm. Like we're disruptors in the juice. And like when people like get on LinkedIn <laughs> to like suck their company's dicks, like that's bad, right? Like we get all over that sucks. I mean, I would definitely just like grab a handful of toothpicks. Like yeah. you're, you're right on that. It's, it's, it's not time. It's, yeah, it's, it's not my jam. To the clock. Um, one of my old bosses actually uh, was on um, is on LinkedIn, and um, I, I knew he was bad. I didn't know how bad he was, but he he went from like recruiter LinkedIn to fitness link- LinkedIn. Oh no! So oh, now he's like fifty some odd old dude talking about being a single dad and showing off his abs on LinkedIn and like doing sit ups, and everyone it just it just reeks of desperation. Like it's just it's it's pure thirst and. It's like a train wreck that I can't look away from because I know he like wasn't very good at his job and, <laughs> and now he's like not able to do the recruitment thing anymore. So he's like, well, I guess I'll do fitness. Maybe he's a better dad fluencer than he is a recruiter. Okay. Yeah. No. Uh, do you know who Nathan Masri is? Are you familiar? <laughs> are you familiar with the lore? He knows I, who I Nathan am, Masri is. Nathan Masri. I've been a listener since, you know, Asterios was killing kids. So Fuck yes, yeah. I'm familiar. 
I remember Nathan Masri had something like that. It was either on his uh, professional Instagram account, professional, the absolute loosest and fastest sense of the word. He had like a shirtless picture of himself or something, or it was his LinkedIn. I can't remember which one. We call him out on the air. We were like, why the hell is there a sure picture of you on your LinkedIn? And, and he was like, sex appeal is a good sales tool. And we are like, all right, you're trying to sell pizza, though. All right. Anyway, another question. Um, so when somebody applies to a job and they don't hear back for a week, should they call you in a week? Like, should they follow up? Because boomers are always like, follow up, call. And I just imagine that would probably annoy the piss out of somebody. But I don't know. What, what should you, what, what's the follow up thing? What should you do? Follow up? No follow up. But what do we do? A week is like, it's a blink in, in, in the corporate world. Like, if, if I talked, if you apply to a role and you didn't get a call for a week and you're upset about it, like, Go for a walk. I don't care. Like we got way better things to do than to be that on top of things because we just don't have the time to, to to be following up that quickly. Now, if I talked to you, if I actually sent you an uh, an invitation for a phone screen and I talked to you, you know, following up in a week, it's appropriate. It's a little needy because again, if I talk to you, I might be talking to seven other people, and then condensing that information, sending it to the manager. The manager would need to stop doing their actual job look at the, the the email that I sent or answer my phone call and then say, I want to talk to these people. You might be one on a back burner and then I might not even be able to look at it, uh, the results, but who we're going to move forward with till like a week and a half after you and I spoke because I might have needed to finish those other res- those interviews. So like, chill out, please, for the love of God. Follow up in like, a, in like two weeks, you know, follow up in a month. Again, sometimes things get delayed, especially with all this COVID shit. Like, the budgets change and move and decisions change and move and sometimes we don't even know what's going on so it's a sad reality i mean should anyone is there ever a positive to following up like are you ever like oh thank god you called yeah no yeah actually really wow yeah sometimes sometimes i'm waiting on stuff from managers and like i know i'm waiting on approvals and like there's only so many times you can call a candidate and be like we're still waiting. I have no nothing else to, to to say, but like we still like your your uh, your your interview. Um, so sometimes when they follow up, it's just nice for me to be like, oh, I don't have to reach out, um, and that's oh. generally better when it's when you've gone to that final interview. So like you said, you talked to that person seven months ago, uh, and that now they want to want your information. Well, chances are in that situation, it, if you, since if you had reached out like at six months or even five months, they might be like, oh. Well, we've still got this opening open and like the manager's back from vacation or rehab or whatever. And so like we can move forward. Thank you for reaching out. Like it's good to keep tabs on some of those things. Just don't be needy. No one likes a needy candidate. Oh, I hate this like, oh, you don't want to seem needy. You don't want to seem new. Well, why do you want to work here? Is it because you're so passionate about marketing pizza? It's like, no, motherfucker, I'm starving. It's been a very long time since I've been on a job interview. Let me tell you what happened on the last job interview I went. It was years, many, many moons ago when I was fresh out of college. And it was for this magazine, like this stupid BuzzFeed-like website thing. And they sat there, and I'm sitting there, and we're getting to the end of the interview. And I think I'm doing pretty well. And then they're like, okay, one more question. 
question for you to get a feel for your personality. They're like, what's your most controversial opinions? And I said, uh, with a straight face, I was like, I think we should legalize all drugs. <laughs> and the guy's like, what, what do you mean? I was like, I'm just saying, I don't think that letting heroin addicts dry out in a jail cell is the best way to solve this problem. And if you had uh, opioid, like government shoot them up centers, you could ensure that this shit isn't being laced with something. You could tax the fuck out of it. And I was like, oh, but what, what's your guys' most uh, controversial opinion? The one that says, I think pineapple does go on pizza. I was like, oh, fuck. I really just blew my brains out on that one. Well, I was like, we're done here. Yeah, why don't, why don't I just, I'm sorry for wasting your time. So that that is a classic, classic interview trap. And one that I'm not a big fan of. Um, usually you get that kind of trap at the start of the interview. Um, not usually at the end, but at the start, the trap is usually... Tell me a little bit about yourself. So what they were what they were kind of looking for with you is, are you are you aware enough to understand the connotation of this question and not the denotation of this question? So everything needs to be sort of delivered in a package of like, will we accept you and do we want to work next to you here at this company? And the the, the moment you go to answering the the question directly with losing sight on that end prize, that's that's when you like they'll realize oh we're hiring a human being and human beings are very dangerous like we're hiring an employee oh god so, i mean i if i personally if i was interviewing someone and they said that i was like you fucking own <laughs> get in here bud you're hired right now <laughs> yeah, but you put know? it on the other side you've, you've got like 15 people on your team you know all of them kind of do their job and someone's now aggressively and loudly proclaiming that drugs are not as bad as you think they are we don't know you Oh, so, they oh. thought you were going to come in with speed balls and stuff. Oh. oh. Yeah, no. No, just, that makes sense. The second after it came out of my mouth, that guy was like, I don't know what all the hate for pineapple on pizza was. And I was like, okay, all right, we're done here. <laughs> all right. Speaking of interview traps, when somebody mm -hmm. asks you what your biggest weakness is, should you just be honest and be like, my biggest weakness is... I get fucked up on the weekends, and so sometimes I don't come in on Mondays. But I'm going to work my ass off on Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday's my go day. Like, you should turn, like, a kind of like a weakness into a strength. Hey, I just turned that weakness into a strength. That's good, right? Absolutely. I, I really appreciate the candor, and we'll get back to you uh, just once we're done all these interviews. Oh, no. They will ne they'll never get back to me. Never. I know that tone. There's so much, like, politics and shit. It's, like, so hard to navigate. Uh, Clark, did I ever tell you? Did I tell the story on the podcast? I think I've lost my shit maybe twice in my entire life, and one was on a recruiter. <laughs> No, I haven't heard that at all. I think it was a recruiter, right? So I get, I get, uh, this woman calls me in for this job. And of course, they don't tell you how much money it pays. And they're like, I find out, I sit there for like an hour. And then I find out they're like, oh, we're paying $15,000 a year. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, this is a full time job, right? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, I pull up my calculator. I'm like, let's do a little bit of math here then. So 15,000, let's ignore taxes. Let's pretend taxes don't exist. Divided by this number a year, divided by 40 hours a week. Do you realize you're interviewing people for a job that pays, is trying to pay people less than minimum wage? And she's like, well, I don't want to think of it. She's like, some kind of bullshit. And then I was like, you know what? Go fuck yourself. I hope you feel good about whatever shitty ass commission you get from calling fucking uh, ex convicts and even more desperate people, college students in here to try to bait them into this bullshit. Go fuck yourself. And then, I and then she stood up and went, 
that was the test. And you passed by turning down this unethical job. You and then like a and then a wall opened up and then like boom. Now you're working in Hell's Kitchen with Gordon Ramsay. And I, Clark, is that what happened? That that that, that is exactly what happened. Wow! Uh, except, oh. wow. I I did throw a uh, coffee mug full of pencils on the ground. <laughs> my way out though. I'm proud of for doing that. Yeah, it was rude. And then I sat in my car and I immediately felt bad about it and I cried and I called my uh, friend from college and I was like, I'm so fucking sick of this man. I just wanna I just wanna take a brick and drive to this woman's house and throw it through her window. And I remember her saying, "Damn, are all white people fucking crazy?" For, for the most part. All right, Clark. Now, I'm going to set up this question for you again. Now, there, there's the classic interview question, which is, what's your biggest weakness? Some people say, answer with the truth. But some people say, to go like, my biggest weakness is I work too hard and I don't have a good work-life balance because I love sucking company dick so much. I just love working hard. Like, what's the right answer? Tell the truth. Tell the biggest lie you can. Lead us out of this trap. Eye on the prize, always eye on the prize. What are you interviewing for? You're interviewing for a role in, you know, X company. Biggest weakness is not for you to, like, critically look at who you are and say, you know what, like, I've never formed meaningful relationships with people because I'm a deeply flawed individual. I don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear that. In fact, you're probably not even ready to confront it. So that's just fine. (laughs) So what we're looking for is we're looking for you as a professional are you complacent with what you do? So I look at some of the, the senior executives in my company, my, my, my HR leader, and they say, they've said very directly to, to me and the rest of the HR team, like, I need board experience. Like, I'm, I'm, for me, growing as a professional means I need to get more experience working on the board, and that's something that I've got uh, that I'm working towards. So if my chief human resources officer is telling me that he's working on something that, uh, and that that's an area that he needs to develop on, that means... Everyone underneath him probably still has other areas that they can develop upon. So when we ask you what your biggest weakness is, or often an area of opportunity is how we've kind of pivoted towards uh, lately, it's, it's about you saying, you know what, like, I'm a great copywriter, but I know within copywriting, especially, you know, in the comms world in general, crisis communication is going to become more and more important because uh, as, as brands, we have to be able to react to what's happening in the world. And so while I've been focusing a lot on direct marketing to people on you know, what the branding does, I haven't necessarily done a lot of that reactive due to changes in the market kind of work. So an area of weakness for me is developing myself as, uh, as, a, as a comms expert, uh, especially in that area of crisis communications. And so what I've been doing now is I've been trying to make myself available uh, whenever something like that comes up, if there's a, a negative press release that comes up, and we need to do some, uh, some writing around that. So what I did there, as I said, this is who I am as a professional. This is an area that I need to develop upon in that world of professionalism. It doesn't make me not qualified for the job I'm applying for, but it will make me more valuable in the role as it grows. Nice. Hey, I'm going to give you a round of applause for that. That was a good, that was one of the best answers to that question I've ever heard in my goddamn life. Wasn't that great? That was awesome. Now, here's the thing. If you're applying for a copywriter job and you say, you know what, I've been doing some copywriting, but I'm not as strong as, I, as I'd like, I will definitely not move forward with you because that's the fucking job. Uh, so... Smart. If you're applying for a manager role, you say, you know what, I don't have enough people leader experience, also disqualified. So your weakness can't be the main focus of the job. If it's like sales, it's more about cross-sales. If it's about uh, marketing, it's about an aspect of marketing. But you have to be good at the basic 
basic tenets of the rule first. What if I go in there and I say, I'm a great copywriter. I've got tons of management experience. I do steal from H Mart every time I'm in there. It's so easy to steal from me. Like, like. Because that starts a clusterfuck. None of the aisles make sense in H Mart. Like, there's aisles. It's all dead zones in there. Yeah. All right. You know, Sriracha, I'm going to call you. I'm going to call that a little racist. Mysterious, you get a pass being that you're, you know, someone checking. Wait, 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 I want a quarter of a million dollars. And if you can't give me that, what's the point of even talking to me? Rebuttal? You know, hoping they'll rebut with something. And then usually, like, the, the interview ends pretty fast. Yeah, it, it will definitely end fast. Um, the, the salary question is one that uh, really depends on the, the context of how it's being asked. So when you're, being, when you're applying on a job... Uh, you know, where you ha- have to input all that irrelevant information that you hate doing or parses your resume, oftentimes they'll ask what your compensation expectations are. So just be as honest as you can in that or blank. But if it's blank, we're going to be a little bit worried about what, what we're looking for. So mm. the salary question is really one that says, do you understand what this role is worth in the market? And do you understand that market? So that's that's sort of that first piece mm. um, at the application stage that helps us understand you know how senior you are in your role how how much you understand the the, uh, the world but if you're already in the interview uh, I'd say it depends on how you got that interview so Asterios you said you were reached out you were people reached out to you on LinkedIn mm-hmm. well you for you at that stage you're a passive candidate they don't know what you're looking for they don't know what you want. Um, but what they do know is that they've looked at your at your profile and they say you've got the basic skills. I'd like to talk to you. In that case, you're passive. You don't even have to have to. You don't even owe them the time of day. You damn it right. It is probably is within your right, and I'd say it's reasonable for you to say what are you um, what are you expecting to pay for this role? You know, these are my compensation expectations for my next position, and get that out of the way in the first uh, first five minutes. You know, you don't owe them any more than that, and. Frankly, if they're reaching out to you, they need you more than you need them. Yeah. Now, fuck I'm yeah. Great. Now, if you apply to a role, that means you're looking for work. It means you're not passive. Oh. It means that they can be a little bit more guarded with their compensation, uh, with what's happening in that compensation. Ask near the end of the interview. Make sure it comes up uh, just to make sure you level set. But what you need to know is I don't know what the role will pay until I've qualified your skills. Mm. So... I might have a range that's, you know, 50 to 100, whatever that may be. Sure. And I can potentially go to 100 if the candidate is made of gold and, you know, will bring me candy. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you're gold, silver, or bronze, uh, and if your candy is candy corn, until I've actually spoken to you for a little bit. Because candy corn is garbage, and I will not hire you if you're going to give me candy corn. That's why if you've applied for a role, the conversation comes a little later. But don't let it go too long. At least have the first, uh, during your, your first interview, at the end of that interview, make sure it comes up in some way, shape, or form. So you let, let them know your expectations. Okay, so here's what I've been doing, Sarancha. Yes. I've, I've been going, towards the end of the interview, I, I kind of like, you know, when there's like five minutes left, I'll go like, hey, um, 
So, you know, I just kind of want to get some kind of expectation as to, like, you know, where you guys are in the range of compensation with the role. You know, like, what you're budgeted for. You know, I'm looking for something from a range of, like, one dollar to a million dollars. <laughs> like, I like to set a big, wide range, hoping they'll be like, well, 950000 is where we were thinking, and then I got him. Yeah, then you got him. I always hate that quite, that interview advice that I see. It's like, don't, the first person to mention a number loses, so it's now it's no, a game of garbage. chicken. Yeah, no, I, I've always hated that, because I was like, then why don't I just go in there and say, I want a billion dollars. Counter. <laughs> your turn. Yeah, how do you set your range? How do you price yourself in the marketplace, Clark? Based off of your desperation. Oh. That's how you do it. Okay, so I don't use so I shouldn't use Glassdoor to find like what people in my area are getting paid for a similar role. It depends because some um, Glassdoor is very irregular. Uh, I know a lot of people in my company have used it. Say, hey, I, you know, I know I'm getting this internal promotion. You know, this is what this role should pay, and we'll say that's actually not true at all. And I can't share it, but I'll say I know everyone in that department and what they make, and that's not even close to it, so you're definitely wrong. Mm. So Glassdoor can give you a general vicinity, but when it comes to negotiation uh, and, and setting your salary, just say a number that you'll be happy with, that you'll be that, and if you if it's an aspirational company that will give you a lot of growth and development, say you, you might want to slide down a little bit, but don't, don't discount yourself, because um, if you discount yourself too much, they might feel like you don't understand the, the, the seniority of the role. Now, if you're on the, if you're on the higher end and you, you want to set a high number, you just have to be comfortable with the fact that they might say, you know what, this role just won't pay that much. So if you're desperate, I'd probably continue to uh, slide on the lower end without discounting yourself too much. Um, mm. And if you are really looking, if you're, if, you're ne- if you're looking for that next role uh, because you're looking for a, a big compensation jump, Hopefully you're not needing to move very, very quickly, and thus you could be a little bit more selective. Um, but you'll find that after you've had a few interviews and people sort of balk at one number or another, you might find that, oh, you might, you might need to, uh, to lower those expectations a little bit. Uh, additionally, you can also uh, couch some of those conversations um, when you're talking about additional benefits. So, for example, when I was joining uh, my company, I say, you know, this is the number I'm looking for, but right now I work from home three days a week. I've got a home gym. It's very close to where I live. I can bike to work. There's all these amenities there. Uh, You know, if I need to come into the office a whole lot more, you know, I'll probably be seeking some additional compensation because that's, uh, and if there's there's no gym, I'll need additional compensation because I'll need to factor into my, you know, monthly budget. Okay, I, I get it. So you'll be like, look, what I'm looking for is like three hundred thousand dollars, but I'm willing to go with like two hundred and ninety-five thousand nine hundred ninety-five dollars and a PlayStation Five. So you can ask for like fun stuff too, like uh, what are some of the fringe benefits I should be asking for? I would like stock options. I would like a signing bonus. I would like to fuck your wife, sir. <laughs> yeah, wait. When do I get to fuck the boss's wife? Or B. Should I include a picture of my wife with my resume and be like, swinging, we do that now. It's a pineapple. You got to put a picture of a pineapple on your resume. Wait, I'm sorry, what? That means you're a swinger. That's what a pineapple means? If you walk into an old person's home, they got pineapple decor everywhere. That's a couple that swings, baby. Clark, is this true from a recruitment perspective? My head is still spinning. Like, I didn't realize I was inviting so much unwanted attention with my Hawaiian pizza. But oh, okay. no, you're fucked. You're... What a controversial <laughs> opinion. You eat the pizza, then you are. That's even more controversial than my thing about drugs. Wow. 
Oh, yeah. Fringe benefits. What was that signing bonus stock? What the fuck is a stock option? What does that mean? Uh, Restricted share units, uh, stock options. So I don't quite know the stock options piece, but oftentimes for senior executives, um, uh, senior executives have stocks that will vest uh, after a few years. So let's say every year they'll get X dollars, you know, $10 in stock, but you don't get to keep, you don't get it unless you stay with the company for three years. They do that every year. There's a lot of money on the table, $30, uh, if you leave right now. Um, so what, so what some, some companies will do is they'll say, you know what? If you come over, we will honor those shares that you're giving up and give you shares in our company that will also vest in three years. So you'll get $30 worth of stock as well. Um, obviously, it's more than $30, blah, blah, blah. Look, I'm realizing uh, that but- this applies to no one who's listening to the loudest podcast. I don't even know why I started asking about stock options, let alone that stock being exchanged. Like, we're lucky to get any job, right? We could agree with that, right, Sriracha? I'm so fucking stupid. I'm so fucking stupid that I thought stock options meant we're going to provide you with options contracts. Yeah, like a company. Yeah, like call calls and puts what i was talking about were restricted share units now it could also be stock awarded so like performance stock uh performance for 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 pay so i know right now amazon there's a big uh discussion that's been going out because they raised their ceiling of uh for their corporate hires from 160,000 to 300,000 but a lot of people had like an additional $300,000 in stock on top of their 160 uh with their um with their compensation at Amazon. So I think that's what they mean by stock options. So like additional shares given to you for working there. So I don't know. Uh, I don't work for Amazon. I like, that's a fuck ton of money. I like your funny words there, Magic Man. I'm yeah, sure I'm that's like, helpful for somebody. Look, I'm just going to I'm just going to clip that part out of the podcast and put it on my phone. When I'm in an interview, I'm just going to hit play. Yeah. And then hopefully I'll just be like, "Give me what the computer man says." <laughs> See the Magic Man magic words give me that all right <laughs> last mysterious qu- money <laughs> perfect yes all right clark last question yeah. when somebody asks you so why do you want to work for us now what i usually say is i don't care who i work for frankly or what i do all jobs are the same to me and you mean nothing to me sir what should i do because people don't seem to like that what should i do oh can you rate mine too clark when I, yeah, go in, when I go to the interview and they ask me why I want the job, I say, because my OnlyFans only makes $15 a month. <laughs> Nobody wants to see my titties. Um, so when it comes to why do you want to work for us, like, remember, we're hiring people we, we need to sit next to, and we don't want to hire a louse or a grouch or, or, or someone that's going to make my, our lives difficult. So we just want to know that you want to be here in some way, shape, or form. So have you done any research at all? Like, me so hungry only gets you so far mm-hmm. in terms of why you want to work here. Say something reasonably nice about why you want this job. So, like, uh, I've been working really hard in my, in my current role right now, and uh, right now the company's just not in a growth phase, and I see what's oh. happening here. Uh, in, this, in this area, you've been doing a lot of work in X, Y, and Z, uh, and I really appreciate that work because I want to uh, move over to this company where I feel like there'll be more options for me to continue to sort of evolve and grow my career. Uh, I especially like what you're doing with, you know, your wife. I don't know. I don't care. Yeah, no, that's fine. What? Did you hear what he just said? He didn't say, my company won't pay me shit. He said, 
my company's currently not in a growth phase. Oh, I love that little lingo thing. That that means my company won't pay me shit. It's like there's so many little cute little passive aggressive things you could use in the office. Like per my last email means bitch, can you fucking read? But it's in corporate speak, so you can send it to people. <laughs> Here's what Clark told me to say. People are like, why are you looking for a new job? And I've just been telling them, because my old job uh, got purchased. Because <laughs> my old my company got purchased by a bigger company and we're all getting fired. And he told me to say, our company has recently been acquired and we've been made aware that there will be some redundancies. So I'm proactively looking for new positions and new opportunities at this time. Wow, you're really good at this. Same shit, different sound. Right. Nice, right, Clark? <laughs> yes, it is. It is. It is a a slightly more um, uh, palatable way of saying the same thing. Oh, yes. Clark, I have one more question. I have one more question. If the restaurant industry began drug testing its employees, what percentage of restaurants would have at least one cook left? <laughs> I'm mean, gonna guess about. I would, honest to God, not even shitting. I've sat down and thought about this for a long time. I would say 17%. Like, if you're, it depends on how hard you are on drugs. If you say, like, no weed, then no, you're done. But if you say, like, weed's okay, but no pills, then you're, like, looking at, like, 17 to 20%, I think. And if you go any farther than that you're you go up exponentially but it's like no i've never worked at a restaurant that everybody was not fucking high all the time so sarita when you got that job at schmuffalo smile springs and they asked you why do you want to work at schmuffalo smile springs were you like i just really love the inclusive corporate culture here it seems like you guys have are a big family you know i like the idea where somebody can just come down uh, come down after a day of work and just sit on down enjoy some nice wings hang out with their friends watch the game and chill out like how did you get that job? Uh, I lied on my resume and said that I had serving experience, and I did not. And they, I guess, that didn't look or way. call anybody or do anything because they were too busy uh, banging nines and snorting lines in the back of the kitchen. Yeah, Clark, Stranger brings up a good point. If you lie on your resume and then you get the job and then get caught and you get fired, well, you still get to keep all that money you made. So why not just lie on your resume? Rebuttal? Yeah. Um, so lying on the resume, there are a lot of industries that will just not catch you straight up. Yeah. Yes. So the thing about yeah, like shawafalo The thing about um, about lying though is that you have to lie about the right things. Mm, so uh, broad guys. broad strokes, don't lie to the financial industry. Just oh. please don't. Like they they are regulated out the wazoo, uh, which is really the worst place to be regulated out of. True. And so they will check your education. They will check your last five or ten years of employment. They will call employers because they kind of have to. But a lot of other companies, like, it's kind of the Wild West. They don't do a lot of checking. So if, you, if you're going to say, like, I've got 10 years of marketing experience and you didn't even show up to your first class, well, you're going to have a hard time talking about all of those sort of industry terms and specifics that, um, that, that you're going to need to talk about. So you'll probably fail in the interview. You can lie about some small things here and there, but also, like, don't lie about companies that are, you know, too big and too local because the, the employment industry isn't nearly as sort of deep and why uh and why does you think it might be um a lot of people know a lot of people and a lot of people do a lot of back channeling so if you're if you're in new york and you say you know i work for you know jp morgan chase at their head office well you know what like 
what's his face over at uh, Google will probably call up J.P. Morgan Chase, say like, "Hey, do you know this serious person?" They'll be like, "Never heard of him," and they'll be like, "Oh, he's probably lying." Okay, so what you're saying is, for like a big important job, like I don't know, working on the stock market or working for the government or something. Know that they're probably going to background check you, so don't lie about anything that could be too easily checked. But, mm-hmm. and like, I don't know, a restaurant or at an advertising job or something where they don't have time to call all your references and all these other fucking companies, you can just kind of lie and get away with it because of how busy they are. It's like it'll just kind of slip through the cracks. Yeah, I mean, all you'll need to, but you'll just need to. Be able to actually do the job. You'll, you need to know enough about the job because we're too we're too busy to train you. No, I so I, I know, I know. It's okay, so look, so just give me the money and I'll figure it out. What I heard is that I should say that I worked for a company that has now gone bankrupt. So like, yeah, so, I used to fly planes all the time with Pan Am. Yeah, go ahead, verify that motherfucker. Yeah, I worked for AOL Instant Messenger for fifteen years. Uh, I, I actually for ICQ and Friendster. Wait, what were you going to say, Scratch? I actually invented Ask Jeeves. I'm Jeeves? <laughs> you know the little guy? That was me under a ball cap. You want to ask me any questions, I probably, much like my search engine, I really won't be able to answer them that well. So the stink of failure follows you around. Oh, no. So if you're saying you worked for a company that went under, no. like... He's Part of them are going to be thinking, like, is it because you were dog shit at your job? What? That's so, not true. I never crashed any airplanes at Pan Am. It's just a bad, poorly financially run company. Yeah, it's not Saran's <laughs> fault that Pan Am went under. Yeah, it's not my fucking fault Exxon fucked with California's power grid. How could that be my fault? Clark, please. If this is Sarantia we're tough. Yeah. Apologize to Sarantia. I am sorry, Sarantia. I would never intentionally cause blackouts all across Los Angeles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Somehow I don't believe that. <laughs> did you did you know that the P and P and G stands for pork? Um Clark, you've done a really good job answering these questions. Are there any parting thoughts that you might have to again, younger people, teenagers, people in their early twenties who like Maybe haven't been on a lot of job interviews. Like, like you know, maybe they're sending out a bunch of resumes. They're hitting their head on a wall. Like, any any, any parting thoughts? If if you get bored reading your resume, I'm going to get bored reading your resume. Um. So if don't don't just try and do it in a weekend and and throw it uh, and throw it out there. Work on it. Have a friend look at it. Come back to it a week later. Um, so you make sure it's saying things that means something. So like, I don't need to know that you counted cash. I don't need to know that you opened and closed the store. That's a job description. I kind of know that if you worked at Schmuffalo Schmaltzwings. Tell me about the, the, the impact that you had at your job. So, you know, you, um, you know, supported, uh, you know, trained sous chefs or something, or you, you, you worked with the bar staff to help improve efficiency or what other malarkey like that. Get, tell me more about your accomplishments. Uh, also, when you're in the interviews, like, don't show up wearing camo. Like even if it's a video interview, like they're never going to be able to see you for one, um, and and two, and two, it's just unprofessional. It's something ha- that happened to um, uh, a team member of mine just I think uh, two weeks ago. Um, showed up to a video interview and was wearing full camo in their car. Like what the fuck? Like a ghillie suit? What do you mean full camo? <laughs> no, like it looks like leaves and shit. Yeah, oh, like no, a ghillie suit. Do you know what a ghillie suit is? Okay. Um, I've never heard that term before. A ghillie suit is like one of those, you know, like a swamp creature. It's like a suit that you wear that makes you kind of look like a swamp creature. So you could lay in the grass and then the deer comes over to you and they don't get spooked because they see your orange vest. Also a great way to get shot, by the way. (laughs) Wearing a ghillie suit.
It sounds like you have a really high clientele. See, I have a friend who's a recruiter, and she said that last week a gentleman <laughs> called in <laughs> and complained because she works at this temping agency in an area with the very low property values and a very low average income. And she said that one day a guy called in and started complaining because he saw someone drive over, reach into his mailbox, take his check, and then drive off with it. And they were like, well, what? kind of car were they in there was like a, a black suv and she said a white suv and he said bitch are you fucking deaf why are you talking about a white suv it was a black suv so then she just hung on the phone she's like you're not gonna call me a fucking bitch so she hung up and it turns out the guy was just so fucking cracked out on meth that he didn't realize he took his own check into his house and there was the neighbor's car reaching into their mailbox which happened to be right next to <laughs> oh my god so so those temp agencies, they have the same business model as Facebook in that you are the product. They're selling you your applications to companies. Oh, yeah. So that's an entirely different kind of work. So I'm not selling you to my company where I work at as an in-house recruiter. I'm trying to put bums in seats, uh, but I don't get I get paid whether or not I hire you. So it doesn't matter to me. So that's a totally different area of, recru- of, of recruitment. And that's why you get a lot of those like spam messages on LinkedIn from people that don't even know what the fuck they're talking about. That's good. What I'm trying to ask is how many times has a man on drugs come to your workplace and attempt to throw a chair through the window because his check was not ready? I what should... the he- where the hell is your friend? What the I hell? Should, I should have a whole episode about this. Every fucking week they email me like, here's the crackhead interaction of the day. <laughs> Okay, I well, would listen to that podcast. Well, listen. Well, this week we've talked about a good recruiter at a good company. <laughs> I guess next week we'll hear recruiter horror stories from Rancho's friend. Um, Clark, is there anything you want to plug on the way out? Uh, no, I'd rather not be found. But um, just, if you, if, uh, if you do need help just with your pa- resumes... Say patreon.com oh. slash hysteria. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, patreon.com slash hysteria. Well, Clark, that's so, Mike, that's so nice of you. Thank you. Clark. Oh, of course. <laughs> anything, a- anything for my good pair of social friends. That's us. That's us. All that's right, me, we'll baby. be right back with more of the loudest podcast. <laughs> well, that's it for this week's the... All right, and three... <laughs> I don't know. I'm tired. You know, I'm not, I started a new job this week. They have me waking up very early. I have to do this. What did you even say? It sounded like this. Well, Twix. I don't know. <laughs> I do want a Twix. All right. All right. All right. That's it for the loudest podcast this week. Thank you guys so, so much for listening. If you want to leave a voicemail, because we will be doing voicemails next week, you call 848 863 5343. Here's what I suggest you do. Just put this number in your phone right now and just save it as like the loudest podcast so that if you ever get high or fuck a clown or if something insane happens, you can call us right away. You call 848-863-5343 or you can email the loudest podcast at gmail.com with your notes and thoughts and feelings. Today's question of the week hit it up. Tell me, tell us what you think in the comments. Would you rather dance or ho? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. Sound off in the comments. (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs) 